Well, good evening, sports fans. This is a special edition of Fandom Talk going on tonight. Um, we have a we have a special guest with us tonight. Uh, with us because if you're going to talk about the NBA, you got to bring in special guests, and there's v- few special guests that I could think of to join myself, Josh, and Al Red Lanyard. There's few people I know that are better to come in and talk about the NBA with than uh, than our good friend Chase. Chase, how are you doing tonight? I am doing fantastic. I appreciate you all having me on. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited about this, Al. I know you're excited about this too, right? Oh, dude. Any opportunity I have to talk to Chase in general, I'm very excited about. But <laughs> in particular, in particular with the start of the NBA, it's got me it's got me going on all on all edges, all points. Yeah, I, I am I'm I'm hyped for the NBA myself. Uh, I think uh, I think most people know it's it's my favorite sport. Um, and with it being my favorite sport, um, normally normally on Phantom Talk with Phantom Correspondence, you know, we we have this like nice little kumbaya statement of phantom is for everyone um you know that is getting thrown out the window for the nba talk okay because nba uh talk is supposed to be uh nasty and dirty and stuff like that um so just so you know you know if if we have stupid opinions we have to call each other out on stupid opinions okay we have to uh that's a moral imperative you have to do that with nba okay you don't have to do that with like batman you don't have to do that with star wars but you have to do that with nba all right uh, so, so with that in mind, you know, like, you know, if, if you're looking at the NBA, if you're looking at the NBA podcast and you came on here and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, we're going to get a safe space NBA podcast that, that might not be the three of us. Okay. That might, this might not be the place for that. Um, so just letting y'all know. All right. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, and, uh, so tonight, uh, starting off, starting first, first thing we're going to do, we're going to talk about the Western conference. Uh, the Western Conference, which Al, before we got started, said was uh, might have been the, uh, I think you called it the the easier conference uh, to predict, so to speak, or maybe something like that. Um, I'm I'm inclined to agree. I think I think the Western Conference, uh, you know, before we get into some of the new stuff, I think the Western Conference is going to play out uh, pretty similar to, to what happened last year, unless we have uh, some real good, um, some real comebacks from some players. Um, Chase, I'll start with you on this one, man. Uh, real quick, you know, one of the things that we want we, you brought up a while ago was uh, the the injury issue in the Western Conference, um, particularly with someone like uh, you know we're looking at Kawhi Leonard, we're looking at Clay Thompson, we're looking at Jamal Murray, um, uh, even to a lesser extent, uh, we're looking at James Wiseman. You know, um, so some of the some of the players that are that are are, are injured right now, really key players that you know, affect the title, uh, the, the, the title, uh, con- contendership of a lot of teams. So what injured player would you say right now is, is most important to come back to their team? Well, I think that can be kind of twofold because there are different levels of that. We talked about before we started recording that there's a difference between how teams are going to perform in the regular season and how teams are going to perform in the playoffs. Uh, so if you look at the regular season, I'd worry a little bit about Golden State, period. Uh, if Clay Thompson, uh, he's, I don't think he's supposed to come back until like Christmas, January time. So they're going to have to deal a lot of time without him anyway. Uh, 
but I think they're at the biggest risk of all those, like what I would consider contenders or quasi contenders of missing the playoffs, getting in the play in and getting knocked out really like they did last year. Uh, but as far as actual playoff contention goes, I'm really interested. It, it's kind of a tie between Leonard and Murray, but I'm having too much fun with this Denver team. So I'm going to go with Jamal Murray. I think they are very capable. I think I don't have the record in front of me or anything, but I think when he got injured last year, shortly after the Aaron Gordon acquisition, they continued to play at a very good pace in the regular season. Didn't really miss a beat as far as wins and losses go. And then they've managed to win a playoff series without him. Uh, I don't think they're finals contenders without him, but if he can come back and be uh, a good facsimile of himself, that that's probably my biggest one there. Also, not to mention, I'm not 100% sure Kawhi Leonard comes back this year. Yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely up in the air. I mean, I, I don't think Kawhi thinks he's coming back this year, which is, I think, one of the reasons why he signed that deal that he did, um, you know, was to give himself time and give the Clippers time to put a team around him and Paul George that is uh, is championship worthy. Um, Al, what, what 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 about you? What do you think as far as uh, injuries go? Which one do you think is affecting uh, things the most? Um, yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue with um, Chase and his spec with Jamal. I think we saw, um, I think we saw in the playoffs last season that you can ask a whole lot of Jokic. I mean, Jokic will deliver on a whole lot, but um, at some point, like at some point, that man needs help, and um, and you know, a lot of that help. Um, how their team is structured, a lot of that help is supposed to come from Jamal on the wing. And um, it's hard to argue with that. I am going to go a slightly different um, direction, though, and I think it's going to just the shape of the Western Conference and how it and how it flows through the season. I think a lot of um, that is going to come down to one, um, and Chase already alluded to this, one, when Clay comes back. I'm going to Golden State, if he's going to come back by Christmas, if he's going to come back around the All-Star break, which one it's going to be. And two um, is going to be what percentage he's playing at when he does come back. Because I think if Clay can come back early enough and if he can come back in a state close enough to where he was playing the last time we saw him play, for an extended period of time. If we if he can come back close to that state, I think the the topography of the Western Conference changes drastically. I think that I think he's going to be the absolute difference between Golden State um you know being dragged into the play in by Steph and <laughs> and Golden State um achieving um like a two or three seed in the West. I think Clay is going to have that much of an impact if he comes back healthy and if he comes back effective and if he comes back in time. Um, I just think as far as impact goes on one particular player, I think Clay really does have that that potential to really change the landscape of the West depending on when he comes back and if he's the same kind of player when he does. So um, I... Um... I agree with both you guys, but I I, I want to go into a different 
place. I didn't mention this guy, particularly because I wanted to be the one to talk about him. Um, no shocker there. Um, and so I, I disagree slightly, Al, because the guy who has the biggest effect on the Western Conference is Anthony Davis this year. And I'm not even totally sure it's close. Um, Anthony Davis goes down last year, and the Lakers are 29-4, and four, and they end up as a seven seed. Um, so when you look at someone, so, so, so when, you, when, you add, when you take someone who does everything that Anthony Davis does for a team, and particularly a team that is built around the concept of we need Anthony Davis to do a little bit of everything, um, that to me is the difference between the Lakers being a seven seed, which they were last year, um, and, you know, one or two or three and a championship contender. Um, so, so for me, that's, that's the, that's where I want to see as far as the, as far as someone come back from injury. I think we kind of forget about that because he's supposedly healthy. Supposedly he's right there. I mean, he's supposedly he's, he's ready to come back right now. I have a little worries though, uh, even as a Laker fan, because, you know, he's, he's put on, you know, he's put on muscle, which, Sometimes it's a very good thing. Sometimes is a awkward thing for someone who's been, you know, one weight for so long and then has adds a lot more. Um, but I, I, I do wonder if if he if he is if he is in his in the right conditioning. Um, to me, that's the player that is going to decide what happens in the West. Um, because Clay, I, I love Clay a lot, um, and actually, I think honestly, if Clay comes back you know, 70% of what he was. In fact, it's interesting with Clay because really Clay as a shooter, you know, it, he could lose a step and still be one of the most dangerous people on the, on the floor. Um, so, so I, I, I think, I think you're on to something there, but at the same time, man, it's, you know, Anthony Davis, a- Anthony Davis and LeBron healthy stomped through the bubble. You know, Anthony Davis and uh, LeBron without Anthony Davis, you know, lost in the first round um, mm-hmm. and barely got into the play in. So there's a big there's a big difference for me there. Um, but yeah, all, all good. All, all 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 good points. I just think mine was the best. Um, <laughs> another guy that we, we, we need to talk about. Um, and the one reason I want to bring him up is because I'm not totally sure we're going to talk about him later because I don't know. I, I don't know how good this team's going to be. I, I say this every year. Every year I say Portland Trail, the Portland Trailblazers are going to be a seven, six seed. Um, and every year they end up being a three seed. Um, it seems like um, with, with a team that just doesn't make any sense to me on paper, like, you know, you're getting 30 games out of use of Nurkic. You don't have a power forward. Uh, you know, CJ McCollum, you know, is, is the biggest hot, cold player in the NBA, in my opinion. Um, so we finally, but we finally get to a point, you know, Damian Lillard, probably the most loyal player in the NBA, or, or seemingly has been the most loyal player in the NBA, um, finally right, gets to Stephen a point. Curry, I'll accept it. Well, okay, okay, yes, yeah, Steph, yeah, okay. Um, but, but I'm just saying, like, someone who, along with Steph, has never, it, it's always, I mean, he's a trailblazer. He's, he's stated he's a trailblazer, almost to his detriment. You've had people complain about him before, saying, like, man, I wish he'd chase a ring. He doesn't seem like the type of person to do that. Uh, but he finally started to get some complaints this year. So I, I want to ask, Al, I'll start with you. Do you think the Trailblazers are going to try and make a move? Um, maybe maybe for some uh, some dude maybe in, in Philadelphia that, you know, can't shoot and is scared of the ball in big time? Or do you, do you think that's a thing that could happen? Or what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, 
No, well, you bring up a good point. You make a compelling argument. When I think of the things that would make Dame happy, the first thing I think about is is somebody else in the backcourt um, who doesn't deliver in clutch situations. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the main thing I think would make Dame happy in Portland. Um, I don't, I don't know, man. Um, and uh, this is kind of an interesting topic with Josh and I because. Um, Josh told me at the end of last season, um, I'll expect Dame to end up on um, on the Lakers squad um, <laughs> by the end of the offseason. Um, and that didn't happen, apparently. But, um, I also added New York. I added New York to that, too. I said New, New, I said did, New York. Yeah. yeah, there was an allowance there, for sure. But, um, you know, instead you guys got rest, which we'll see what happens with that. But um, I don't know, man. If like I I struggle to think of the eligible players of the players up on the block of the players with higher trade values. I struggle to think of in of a real move that the Trailblazers could could make. Not just to improve, they could improve with a a few different guys right now. But to make, I mean, the team that Dame has, right? <laughs> it's it's shockingly similar to the teams that Dame has had. And to make an improvement, you know, I don't think that'll be enough for him in that situation. I don't think that Dame is going to wake up at the end of the season after smaller trades are made and just be like, well, you know, we went out in, in the... Conference finals and six games. That's an improvement. I'm happy. I mean, like I think, I think if you want to keep him happy, if you don't want to see an exit from your hometown boy, then you need to add a significant improvement. You need to add something that's going to almost change the dynamic of the team a little bit. Because with the team they have right now, um, I don't think they can compete for the title. I think Dame will like drag the team kicking and screaming to to the second round at least because he's just that explosive and influential of a player. But I just don't see their team competing. And again, you guys may be able to help me out by picking out um, an addition that could change that. But I just don't see an addition they can they can make work to take it to the next step. Um, I just don't see anybody out there. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think I think you have a point. Um, the the Blazers, the the other the other issue with the Blazers is that like with, with a lot of teams, you can make the statement like, like like we, we've talked about Golden State, and I feel like Golden State's gonna come again. But you can make the statement like, you know, maybe James Wiseman takes a leap. You know, maybe uh, um, Jordan Poole, you know, takes a leap or something like that. There's not really that player on the Blazers. I think everyone on the Blazers, we pretty much know who they are. I mean, Norman Powell, like we we know what Norman Powell is. If Norman Powell becomes a 25-5 and 5 guy, that would be a shocker to me, you know. Um, you know, And so, like, that's the other thing. It's like the team, as constructed, doesn't, to Damien's point, doesn't seem to be able to go much further than what is right now. Um which brings and, and and in particular, I think that you know they're as far as scoring from the from the 
you know, power forward and, and center positions, uh, they're lacking pretty, pretty dreadfully. Um, which, I mean, brings me to this point. Chase, are you going to try and, and walk on as their stre- as the Trailblazers stretch four this year? You think you could do that? Yeah, I mean, as younger Kevin Love with worse ankles, I think I could definitely fill that role. Yeah, there you go. Hey, oh, there's a guy. Kev, Kev, could Kevin? I mean, Kevin Love. He's he's a buyout candidate. What do you think? Kevin Love and Damian on the on the pick and roll. You're uh, here's the thing. I can see both of you. I don't I don't know how to turn my camera on, but I can see both. You're both shaking your heads vigorously right now. Like Kevin Love has just watched apparently. Uh, my my boy Kevin Love. Uh, but Chase, I mean, you know, did did Al miss anybody, or is it? What do you think? Is there a potential trade out there that could make the Trailblazers better? I, I was pretty high on if you send Kevin Love in a time machine back like three or four years and then drop him in Portland. I think that'd be great. Uh, he, he, it is, it's a weird natural fit in a bad way because the thing Portland has struggled with for a very long time is we have a phenomenal offense and they cannot stop anybody on defense. And they're going to go out there and lose like 135 to 131 in some of these big games. Kevin Love's not helping you in that situation. He's just fitting the exact same scheme that's not fixing anything. Um, I kind of want to revisit a couple of things that Al said, because I agree with a lot of what he said. I actually don't see much that you can do to make this Blazers team exciting, more so than any other team with Damian Lillard anyway. Uh you mentioned a guy in Philadelphia who would totally bring a different aspect of his game uh, over there that doesn't fit exactly what they've been doing, but would kind of remedy some of those holes that they have. I still don't see that bringing them up to any kind of spectacular level, especially with some of the other talent in the West. So I am kind of a Portland pessimist here. And at the beginning of the podcast, you said we need to get on to people for their horrible takes. And I will say Al said that Dame's going to drag them to the second round. I don't see that happening. (laughs) Uh, I I would be very shocked. Um, In my projections, I could actually see them easily falling into the play-in. Now, I will say if they're they're in the play-in, there's no player in the NBA, uh, or it's a very short list anyway. Uh, that I would rather have than Damian Lillard in a one-off game. So I, I think he would probably be fare pretty well in the play-in. I think there's a decent chance they make the playoffs. But uh, before I ramble too much, I did a little bit of uh, research, and I have two other things I want to bring up on the Blazers. Maybe this is just going to turn into a Blazers podcast if I'm not careful. Uh, they do bring in Larry Nance Jr., and I think that is a, a good acquisition for them. It's He's not Ben Simmons. I don't know if we're supposed to bleep that out yet because he's in the Eastern Conference, but uh, he he does some of the things that Ben Simmons does. He's not as good at most of those things. Probably a little bit better at scoring, especially not two feet from the basket, but also willing to dunk the ball. Really athletic. He's become a versatile defender. I like that. I think that makes them a little bit better. Um, and then I think, and I honestly did not know to know this before I was studying. They also brought in Dennis Smith Jr. I mean, maybe if they somehow turn him into what people have been hoping he was going to be for a long time and weaponize him, uh, again, that plays into more offense, bad defense. Uh, but the last weird little wrinkle I wanted to go through and see, uh, so 
it's going to come out eventually. I'm a Celtics fan, so I have some history with having the rights to a pick for what should theoretically be a bad team, like Sacramento. One year, the one year that Sacramento almost made the playoffs in the last like almost 20 years, or it, it's close to it, I believe, was the year that Boston had their pick. Like we Celtics thought that they were going to get a top five, top three, whatever kind of pick out of that. And it ended up being 13 or 14. Um, and Portland has an interesting situation, if I'm reading this correctly, that they will lose their pick and it goes to the Bulls if they make the playoffs. They will keep it if they miss the playoffs. It's lottery protected. Um, so if they want to blow it up, I don't know if that's really going to be something that comes into play, but... That kind of set off a little tiny siren in my head that this, if they want to miss the playoffs at any point, this might be the year to do it. I, uh, I just, I cannot imagine Damian Lillard, uh, Damian Lillard in in any shape, form, or fashion, uh, trying to uh, uh, coast through the season so he gets a, so he gets, so he gets a, a potential lottery pick. I just don't see that happening. I mean, if, if, well, if, if that's, that's where you uh, have mentioned, if, 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 if that's where you're going to go, you might as well go on and trade Damien then. That's what I'm saying. Like, ridiculous galaxy brain scenario. I mean, you were even saying Dame might not be in Portland. Um, it looks like things have kind of settled down. The buzz that he might leave is much quieter now than it was several months ago. But, like, that would be that scenario. I agree with you. It would be very surprising to see them fine with losing, uh, particularly Damian Lillard fine with losing if he's on the team. Uh, that that would be if they send him out. That might be something to think about. I could see it happening. I don't think it's going to, but I wanted to mention it just to be fun, you know? All right, real, real quick, last question, because here, here we go. All right, you tell me which one sounds better to you. So here, here's a projected starting lineup for Trailblazers right now. Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, and Norman Powell in the backcourt. Robert Covington, and then uh, Yusuf Nurkic up front. Or Damian Lillard, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, Ben Simmons, and Yusuf Nurkic. Which starting five do you like better? I'll take this one first. I, I would rather have, if you're telling me I'm the GM and I get to pick one of those two, I would rather have the Ben Simmons side if I'm trying to be good. Uh, my issue with that is that that feels like something that's just going to bring them back to where they were a few years ago. Like, oh, yeah, we get to be the four seed and maybe lose in the first round, maybe go to the second round and lose to one of these teams that's really a contender. I do think the Ben Simmons roster is better, though. Al, what do you think? I think in a world where you can get that kind of one-for-one kind of trade value, (laughs) in a world where you can make that work, then sure, this Simmons lineup does sound like the header pick. Um, But, like, the the Philadelphia side of of this trade situation is is being run by crazy people and that's yeah. the only <laughs> and that's the only thing <laughs> that's yeah. the only thing that's wrong 
um, inherently with uh, that question and with that choice is that if a is that if a deal goes down between Philly and Portland, I don't see the Trailblazers just g- g- giving up s- 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 EJ without giving up either in an additional starter or or like just a crap ton of other stuff because Philly's being run by a crazy person yeah. <laughs> and he it's being run by a guy who thinks he has LeBron James eight years ago I mean that's really, that's what this offseason has felt like whenever a trade with him has come up but I mean yeah I agree I think Simmons would be um, the better way to roll with it um, but I'm also with Chase if we're if we're talking about players who can put them over the edge and that's what Dame would want out of the team I don't think Simmons is going to be efficient for that well, it, it's, you and know it's, I also, mean, it's also a matter it's also a matter of the chemistry as well you're sacrificing a lot of years worth of chemistry between Dame and CJ as well and like when it comes down to it you have Simmons on that team he shows half as much as he did last year and Dame's going to He's going to shoot the guy on the, in the middle of the court of the game. Like, there's no way that that plays out anything other than ugly. But, I mean, well, I don't here, know, man. Here's, okay, all right. I'm a, here's the thing. I agree with you because I'm I'm not really a Ben Simmons fan. And that that's fine, okay? I, there's not a whole lot of those guys out there. Um, but I'm going to play devil's advocate real quick, okay? If you're Portland and you honestly believe that your title window is in the next three years or so. I don't know why you don't at least push for the Ben Simmons trade. If for no other reason, then when you look at this roster as it's made up and you have to go through the Phoenix Suns and the Lakers and Mm -hmm. the Nuggets, what is this team going to do to stop any of those teams? I mean, I mean, you're, you're looking at a backcourt where your tallest person is six foot three and that's including your small forward. Like, like what, what happens when LeBron James is, is bearing down on you in that situation, you know, or, or, or when, or when, uh, I mean, not even LeBron James, like Mikel Bridges, what happens when Mikel Bridges is, you know, bearing down on you, you know, what happens when the fourth best player in the Suns is dominating you? Uh, that's where you need someone like Ben Simmons who can step up and can guard multiple positions. And the thing is like, yeah, we're all tracking Simmons now. Two years ago, he was a defensive player of the year candidate. Two years ago, he was considered one of the top 20 players in the NBA, you know, and it's, it's, you know, it's one shot where he didn't dunk on Trey young that we're all, we're all asking ourselves about the Ben Simmons thing now when he's been that player his entire career. So what I'm saying is like, maybe, maybe the situation, if it changes because he doesn't have to do as much, I mean, no, no one in Portland's going to be asking him. Like I heard Brett Brown says he wants him to shoot one three a game this year. No one in Portland's going to be asking Ben Simmons to shoot a three a game. That's just not going to happen. Okay, no one, no one's going to be expecting that. You know, but they are going to expect him to rebound, play good defense, and be a secondary playmaker, which is something that Portland hasn't had even with C.J. McCollum. McCollum's not a secondary playmaker. So that that's the devil's advocate view on, on that. Um, I'm going to stop us right there because we got Ben Simmons coming up, uh, I'm assuming, in the Eastern Conference at some point. I'm assuming we're going to talk about him a little bit. Um, I do want to to hit on this uh, real, real quick before we move on to our picks. Um, you know, we did have some 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 weirdness. Uh, Al, you brought this up, this weirdness with uh, Rick Carlisle just randomly leaving Dallas. 
Um, what do you, what do you guys think of Dallas? Dallas had a, has had a lot going on. You know, we got some, got some issues with Chris tops. Uh, we also got the fact that, you know, it's, it's this weird team that, you know, might have one of the five best players in the, in the NBA, but like no one's talking about them really. I mean, you know, Al, what, what do you think of Dallas? Um, I mean, I like, it's one of those weird things where you guys ever have like a crush on somebody and like you have that crush for a while and it's like it's really enjoyable because there's like a separation there and then like you start to spend some time with that person and you (laughs) start to see more and more things that kind of concern you over time but like you're really in love with this idea of the crush and it becomes more of a thing where you're more in love with the idea of the person than you are with the reality of the person. That's kind of the relationship I have with the Mavs. <laughs> like, I, like, I am I'm in love with the idea of the Mavs. I, like, I really am. Um, I love Uka so much. I think he's one of the most exciting players you can watch right now. I think he's one of the most exciting athletes in any sport that you can watch right now. He's so entertaining. I'm not sure he has a ceiling on his skill level. Um, he's just, he's just that good. Um, and like, you know, they have the insanity in admin with Cuban and, (laughs) and they have, and they have whatever the hell Jason Kidd is at this point (laughs) in his career as a new head coach. Um, and like, I love so much about the Mavs. Um, but the main thing that gives me pause right now last season the main thing that gave me pause and was some of the red flags that came up for me is that the chemistry between um Uka and Porzingis uh which I expected to be really really good and flow very organically um hit a lot of speed bumps there uh, which I really wasn't expecting to happen um and now I mean I mean Jason Kidd, sure, he was a he was an incredible point guard when he was a player. But I mean, if you ask me to to take inventory of what their organization is now, and you're telling me that you're going from Carlisle, uh, who's an excellent coach, who I think is one of the most impressive coaches in the last five years, and you tell me you're going down to Kidd, I think that I mean it just raises a lot of red flags for me. And, like, I don't think it's going to be, like, the end of their team or the end of of how relevant they are in the West. I think they're going to show up in um, the regular season, at least. Um, but when you get to the playoffs, and that point keeps coming up again is the difference between uh, the regular season performance and playoff performance. Um, you get into these series with these other teams and these other coaches, and I'm very hesitant to make any huge statements about the Mavs' potential when I think about a very unproven, in terms of coaching, Jason Kidd trying to tangle with a lot of these other really impressive, really proven head coaches in the West. I think that's really the biggest red flag for me right now is that. But, I mean, I hope they do well because, again, I love to watch them play. I think they're a blast. But, you know, they have some questions that need to be answered. Yeah. Um, 
Chase, following that up, should Christoph Porzingis be sending flowers to Ben Simmons' house to for helping us forget how bad he played in the playoffs? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that one. Um, I, it is a weird scenario of other than the fact that Porzingis isn't trying to force his way out of Dallas as best as I know. There are a lot of comparisons to that, just kind of like the opposite type of player um, as far as skill sets go, but they are just like these weird unicornish players that were trying to fit into a role that had high expectations, really performed, especially younger in their careers, got paid a lot of money, and then now you're not living up to your contract. And yeah, I mean, that it's a weird situation. Uh, I don't know what to make out of him. He's, I know he used to block some shots, and I think he still does that, but he's just not a good defender. He's so frail. Um, I mean, my boy Marcus Smart just bodies him in the post. <laughs> like, you can't have your seven-foot dude getting physically dominated by Marcus Smart. It's not not a good look. Yeah, I think I think the 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 knee injuries and stuff. I mean, what well, definitely. I mean, it's hurt his his ability to block. I mean, you look at what he was doing in New York, where he was averaging two blocks a game. Uh, you know, he, he was able to get up a little higher. Um, now I'm a little worried about him uh, because now he's basically a stretch four that can't hit threes, and I don't know what what that is in the NBA. You know, um, you know, I mean, you can't be a stretch four and shoot 32 percent from the field. That, that's just not that's not a thing that's that's possible. Um, so I, I think Dallas is in a little trouble. I mean, I, you were talking about you having Portland in the play, and I think Dallas is the team that's that looks like it's going to drop the most when you look at their roster. Um, it's a roster that's built so that so that Doncic and Porzingis, you know, can can run rough shot over people. And if you don't have the other half of that, um, I don't know what that team looks like. And once again, it's a it's a very similar concept to Portland, where like it doesn't look like there's anybody on there that's going to step up. I mean, you know, Trey Burke's going to have some fun games for you every now and then, and maybe Tim Hardaway Jr. gets a few highlight plays for you every now and then. But there's no one on this team other than Doncic that's a, you know, everyday player. You know, that's a, you know, I know what I'm getting every single day. Um, and so I, I, Dallas is kind of the team that I see falling, you know, quite a bit. They were, were they the fifth seed last year? Is that correct? I thought they lost in the first round to Clippers, right? They did. And I remember the Clippers, like, pretty blatantly tanked in order to get that matchup. That was either the 3-6 or the 4-5. Was that the 3-6? I, I thought it was the 4-5 because the – it's 4-5 because Suns beat them in the in the conference finals. Okay. Yeah, so it'd have to be the 4-5, yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel – I mean, I see them dropping. Wait, I mean, wait, wait, Is that – I might be silly here, but the 4-5 would feed into the one seed there. Oh, that was Utah. Let's see Utah. Utah was the one seed. There we yeah. go. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, that must have been four or five. Um, but anyway, no, I, I I just see I see Dallas dropping. I really do. Uh, that's the and it's it's sad because you know it 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 is a it is a bummer you know because we're seeing a lot of a lot of teams that have you know I mean we spent we've talked about two teams now that have two dynamic talents that are just having years wasted because of uh, the short-sightedness of their uh, of the people that run the teams um so so i don't know we'll 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 see how that goes uh, going forward 
Um, Do you, you all know. want to play a quick bit of live trivia? Okay. So with the little bit of NBA studying that I've been doing lately, I looked up Vegas win totals, wanted to see. Um, I don't always agree with Vegas, but they've got a general idea of some things. So uh, the two teams that we've been talking about, Dallas Mavericks, Portland Trailblazers, where do you think Vegas has them? Uh, Dallas, 42.5. Okay, and what about Portland? 44. Okay, Al, you want to play? Cool. Going to go with Trailblazers 40. Um, Mavs 43. Okay, so I'm glad we played. They've got the Dallas Mavericks as the four seed at 48 and a half games in Vegas. They've got the Blazers as the eight seed at 44 and a half. Wow. Uh, I think some of that is Vegas is in love with Luka. Um, yet again, I agree with a lot of what Al said. I really don't know what to do with Dallas. Um, if I Again, I'm just spouting off things that are unsupported by evidence, but I'm pretty sure this is true. Uh, last year, my Celtics and the Mavericks were the two hardest hit teams by COVID. Uh, for the Celtics, that was probably mostly because of Tristan Thompson, so we can throw that out. But uh, the the Mavericks had a lot of COVID stuff that they had to deal with, and they got off to a bad start. I, I believe the second half of the season, they were on like a three-seed pace, which is kind of shocking. Uh, just team makeup and everything else and who else they were competing with in the West. But the Mavericks... Finished the season hot. They've got one of the best players and most definitely the most dynamic players in all of the NBA. I can see the appeal, but exactly like what we were talking about, there's no major roster turnover. I looked at some of the changes they made, but really the massive difference is you're going from Rick Carlisle to Jason Kidd. And I, I that is a big old negative for me. Uh, so, I mean, I could see him go all over the place. Giannis still scared me when he was in Milwaukee before he, like, became Giannis Giannis uh, when Jason Kidd was there. But they they didn't win very much in the playoffs. I, I don't think it's going to be good for them. But at the same time, if they do what is maybe, question mark, smart and let Luka run the team as much or more than Kidd, maybe it'll be fun. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, well, well and then that's a transition. And, and what's weird about that is I feel like we're going to transition into our, our, our picks for the top four teams uh, in the West. Okay. And what's interesting is you tell me Dallas is their fourth seat. And I really feel like the three of us, I could be wrong. I might be completely wrong here. I feel like the three of us are going to have pretty much the same top four. I feel like in the East is where things are going to get interesting. Um, so I'm so, going to bet you we do not have the same top four. I was about to say, I don't think we have the same top four. No. Okay. All right. Okay. So, <laughs> so Al, Al, we'll start with you. Give me your, give me your top four teams. We're, we're, we're going to do top four teams for each person. Just we'll go Al, Chase, and then me, and then, then we'll discuss them. Okay. So Al, you go first. Okay. Um, so my top four teams coming out of the West, we are defining top four <clears throat> as far as how, how legit of contenders we believe they are, um, just to clarify. 
Top four teams coming out of the West um, in no particular order, I will specify. Um, I've got the Jazz. I've got the Nugs in Denver. I've got L.A., the Lakers. And with the asterisk we've already discussed with Clay, I've got um, the Warriors as well. That's a really big asterisk on that team. Okay, I I I have already been proven wrong. Case, who, who's your who's your top four? So I will. Uh, I need to backtrack a little bit. I was looking at my regular season projections, and I actually agree with Vegas that Dallas is kind of in there for the number four mix. That's what I thought was crazy, but I do not have them in my top four as far as legitimate contenders. Sure. Uh, my number four is very difficult. Like Al, I kind of wanted to throw the Warriors in there. Um, but let's say in no particular order, I've got the Utah Jazz, the Phoenix Suns, the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Denver Nuggets as my top four. Okay. Uh, I have Utah Jazz, uh, Denver Nuggets, Phoenix Suns, Los Angeles Lakers. So me and Chase are the same. So this is where we get to pick on Al, because I want Al to explain to us how the Suns have dropped out of the top four in the Western Conference. So, 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 Al, just have you always hated Chris Paul, or is that a new thing? No, no, I've I've actually always enjoyed Chris Paul. Um, I've got a very, I've got a very soft spot in my heart um, for very talented point guards over the years. Um, so, no, I'm a huge fan of Chris Paul. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit of a skeptic with the Suns. And I'm not as far of a skeptic to say, oh, they're actually a trash team. They aren't going to get anywhere close to what they did last year. I'm not that much of a skeptic. But I'm a little bit of a skeptic where with the landscape of the West and you have players on the Suns who are undeniable in terms of their skill and their talent. Um, I think Evan... Hooker is going to be the the prolific scorer. He's going to be the prolific offensive player in the league um, in the future. Um, if he isn't already in the conversation now, which honestly he is. Um, and so I've got belief in the book. I've got belief in the good book, as my grandmother would say, uh, <laughs> for sure. Um, I... Last year was so just injury-plagued and cursed that it was weird. It was just a weird year by the time you get to the playoffs. And I'm unconvinced that the Suns will be able to get to the finals through the West with all those teams at at least close to their peak with all those teams, not just absolutely plagued by all the, all the injuries, all of the, all of the COVID strangeness of last year. I'm just unconvinced. You know, I don't, there's no doubt in my mind that they'll get to the playoffs. There's no doubt in my mind that they're going to be a really entertaining team to watch uh, for sure. But um, I mean, also I'm kind of a skeptic as much as I do love Chris Paul. I'm kind of a skeptic that he's got a, a, a second of that kind of comeback year in his bag. 
I, re <laughs> I really am. I think he's going to be a very feasible player. I think he's going to do uh, a lot of really great things. I think I struggle to think of a better situational player to have in the backcourt with Hooker as far as where Booker's career and development is. I think Chris Paul is like almost a perfect fit for that kind of situation. But I'm skeptical that he, he's going to do that same kind of thing. It kind of broke my heart last year in the finals because I kind of felt like if Chris Paul was going to get that ring, it was it was going to be last year because I think the road is just going to be way, way harder for that team as long as, again, we don't have the freak field that last year was as far as the injuries went in the West. Um, so that's that's my take on it. That's the logic that kind of goes with that pick or lack thereof, I guess. So, um, Chase, uh, do, do you? I mean, like, I mean, th this is embarrassing, right? I mean, it, it, I mean, this is just straight up sad. I mean, yeah. Okay, I, I, I'll start here. Actually, I'm gonna start here. I'll I'll, I'll give Chase last word. The thing about Chris Paul. You say you you know how many more second wins he's got. Well, this was actually his third win to start off because, like, technically, and Case will tell you, Case Case is being nice right now, but Case remembers when I said Chris Paul was done for the Thunder. You know, I'll never forget us having that conversation, and Case was the one that corrected me on that. And after the whole Thunder thing, where he dragged a team that was that without him as a twenty-win team to the playoffs. I, I, that was when I decided I'm not going to doubt Chris Paul anymore. Um, but it's not just Chris Paul, man. When you look at that team, what it's, so it, it's the inverse of – it's the direct inverse of the Trailblazers team because it's Chris Paul and a bunch of guys who haven't even entered their prime yet. Booker's not in his prime. Mm -hmm. Booker's a great scorer who is 24 years old. DeAndre Ayton is a top-five center who is 20 years old. You know, McCall Bridges – is who is a is a is the fourth best best player on this team if he and he would be the second best player in Portland if you put him on there tomorrow, you know. So what I'm saying is like this that's a this is a team built to to win games and to scare people in the playoffs. Whereas if you take Golden State, I mean even Golden State at their best right now, so is Golden State at their best? If, if our most optimistic is Steph at at 30 plus points a game. Draymond Green, you know, with his head outside of his rear and playing great defense. Clay Thompson uh, at 80%. Andrew Wiggins doing Andrew Wiggins things and James Wiseman healthy is probably our our best our best Golden State, right? I mean, that, that's the most optimistic we can be about Golden State. All right. That team is not better than the Phoenix Suns. It just it just straight up isn't because you've got because that that's it's that's a worse version of what Phoenix is fielding, because the step you're the step you're asking James Wiseman to make, DeAndre Ayton's already made that step twice. The step you're the thing you're asking Andrew Wiggins to do, McCall Bridges is doing at age 21. So to me, it's just it, it, it there's there's a whole nother, the reason the Suns scare me, like the Suns honestly scare me as a Laker fan more than any of their teams because the reason the Suns scare me is because they've got all these players that are getting ready to that could take another leap. And then Chris Paul, I don't think we've ever had a team like that in the in, in the NBA before, where you've got all these players 
I mean, it, it, it'd be like, I, like, I, I, I don't even, it, it, it'd be like taking like Steve Nash from the Suns and putting him on the Oklahoma City Thunder when they had Durant and uh, and and Westbrook and uh, James Harden. It's very similar to that. I mean, I, I'm not saying these players are going to be that way, but that's almost what you're expecting because you have all these guys who performed well in the playoffs and performed well in the finals, and they're all in the early 20s. And then there's Chris Paul. So, like, I don't know. I mean, Golden State, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a Steph Curry fan. You know, I think, I think we don't talk about Steph Curry enough. But I just don't know if I'd put them, you know, if, if I'd put them over, over Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix is just, I mean, they're just impressive. But there's a devil's advocate view to take. Uh, Chase, I'll give you the, the, uh, the last word there on Phoenix Suns. Okay, what do you think? I don't know if we need to, we maybe should give Al the last word and give him a chance to repent of his sins. Uh, if I am, I'll, I'll give him a brief excuse of a couple of things. There are six or seven teams that I could honestly talk myself into seeing in, if not the finals out of the West, at least making a Western Conference Finals appearance. So, I mean, Phoenix and Golden State are both one, one of those teams. And... One of the things that I think goes in the favor, uh, just anecdotally, of the Mavericks is that there's a big trope in the NBA that in the playoffs, you really want to have the best player. And that's kind of the only thing I could see going for Golden State in that as well as Stephen Curry's better than anyone that Phoenix has. Um, that being said, you, Josh, did not only hit the nail on the head. You went and like did a full hammer throw and your hammer drilled that nail right into the wall. Uh, this team just has so many people that you not only can hope for progression, but can actually calculate progression for. Uh, Booker, there's a legitimate chance that he has another step or two to take. He was, I loved watching him in the playoffs this year. I thought it was just absolutely fantastic. It was so fun. He's been really good for a while is probably, I mean, he had to take like a, a 1A or 1B kind of role that he's not used to, but arguably the best he's ever played and could still get better. DeAndre Ayton, you would expect to get better. Mikhail Bridges, you would expect to get better. Um, I don't think Jay Crowder is getting worse. I am a Jay Crowder apologist. Uh, and then Chris Paul is an interesting one. I mean, he is 36 years old. He's going to be 37 by the time the playoffs really roll around, I believe. That That is a pretty extreme age for a professional athlete, uh, especially a basketball player. So, I mean, if you're going to project him not having a second win, wind, I, I guess I could see that argument. But I'm not going to project that. I'm going to project this team coming back as good or better than they were last year. And I think they were rightfully, I mean, were they the best team in the Western Conference last year? Maybe. They made the finals, and I think that was legitimate. So I, I do think they return a really intimidating team that um, they're relatively deep, but their starting lineup is pretty terrifying. And I think, if anything, they're going to look at what happened in the finals and find some ways to get even better. Okay, that was um, – um... Yeah, I, that's been our disagreement. And uh, so before we move on, Al, rebuttal. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, 
I will not repent. I will not repent of my skepticism. <laughs> um, uh, my family has, has tried to make me repent of my skepticism for years, and I refuse. Um, but, um, no, I mean, I mean, again, I'm not trying to say that, you know, the sons are trash. The sons don't deserve to be in the discussion. I think they do deserve to be in the discussion. I think to address a couple of your points, um, I think, especially within the last, like, 12 hours, honestly, I mean, everybody at home, we are recording this um, at night on October 18th. Um, so right at the end of the offseason, right at the end of um, the agency headline um, and things like that. Um, I mean, you guys, I've talked about Aiden. You have brought him up a few times. Um, and I agree. I think Aiden... I think Aiden is a quintessential part of the Suns team. I think you take away Aiden, you take away a really big part of what could take them past a lot of these teams they would have to go past in the West. Um, um, I think that the best way to ensure that that chemistry um, stays intact and to make sure there are no weird locker room or front office relations with Aiden I think the best way to ensure that is to not offer him an extension by the end of the deadline and to, and to make him and to just instill all of the confidence in him and just really, really hammer home that that will that when you're here, your family feel that they need to have that they need to have with all these young players. I think that was their best move they've made yet. Um, and I exaggerate on that a little bit, but I think it is. It is a, a relevant thing to consider, though. I mean, I was working on this for a while, preparing for tonight. And when I came to the West, one of the things that kind of swayed me on the Suns was the Suns not offering him an extension um, and not honoring the fact that he took his he took their request to move into that role um, and succeeded and excelled in it with a plum um and to just not reward that in a lot of ways and obviously you know it isn't it isn't the ending of that story they can still offer him um other deals and keep him on which i'm sure they are going to i'm sure it's more of um i'm sure it's more of a business strategy as far as as being able to match other teams offers and things like that in the future. But um, that shook me a little bit. And I think it shook a very young number one pick as well, if I'm being honest. Um, but, and then again, like, yeah, they excelled. They did great last season. But again, I'm thinking of them going through the healthy versions of the teams who were their competition last year. And I think the lack of experience that comes with such a young core, um, I think that's something that we really haven't talked about is like, yeah, they got a healthy dose of experience last year in the playoffs, but they're going up against teams that have a lot of experience on them. And one of the things that inspires me so much, inspires so much confidence about the Warriors is that, I mean, between Clay and Steph, even with Clay not at 100%, you have arguably the best backcourt in the NBA with a host 
of playoff experience and playoffs history of success behind them as well. So that was those were the main factors that kind of broke it for me between um, Golden State and the Suns. But I refuse to repent. I'm still skeptical. Um, I, I laugh in the face of Phoenix superiority. No, um, but that's just that's where I fall on it. I mean, I mean, you're, you're, I mean, except it's, your Lord and Savior Devin Booker is all. Yeah, I'm say. I mean, it's 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 on it's on record now. So I mean, you know, you might as well just lean into it. Um, all right, mo- moving moving on. Okay, so so other than that, other than than them, we have the same three. Right, we've all got Utah. We've all got Denver. We've all got LA. Right. Okay, so let's talk about Utah. Okay, for me. Utah of the four teams I've got up there, Utah is the team that I have the least confidence in. Uh, is that a fair statement or an unfair statement? Uh, Case, we'll start with you. Yeah, I don't know if you saw, but I made like a a hesitant but agreeing face there. Uh, they are still kind of in prove it mode for most people. Um, Zach Lowe said they are now a team that I'm no longer going to give a pat on the back for like unanimously getting the one seed and making it to the second round. Uh, They really need to do something. Um, I I do think they have that ability. Obviously I did have them in my top four um, as far as legitimate contenders. And I think they're a strong contender to get the one seed again, which I mean, that doesn't hurt matters for them. Uh, but they do have question marks, uh, kind of, as we said, honestly, I mean, while Al somehow again, didn't have Phoenix in his top four, uh, if if you just compare Utah and Phoenix to me, I could make a case that Phoenix should scare the daylights out of Utah because they're similar ish teams when you look at it. And with the exception of Chris Paul, Phoenix is younger with more room to grow, uh, I do have them as kind of a similar tier, but I'm not incredibly enthusiastic about pounding the hammer for Utah. Yeah, my my issue with Utah, um, my, my issue with Utah is that beyond their top six players, they they fall apart really really quickly in my opinion. So you've got your you've got a starting five that I think is is pretty pretty solid uh, with Conley. Uh, Mitchell, um, you know, Rudy Gobert, um, you know, I mean, you, I mean, you've got, you've got, a, you've got good stuff at Joe Inglis. Um, but like when you, when you start getting into like past Jordan Clarkson territory and you're asking, you know, Eric Pascal to, to give you good minutes or Royce O'Neal, that's when I think you're starting to really run into some trouble there. Um, do you think, do you think depth is what is, is killed them in the past hour? What do you think? Um, I think it's, I think it's arguably a factor for sure. Um, this is, Utah is one of those teams where you almost, (laughs) over the years, you've almost kind of taken them for granted in some ways. Um, just as far as, you know, oh, Utah, yeah, they're going to be in the playoffs are going to be, you know, um, top three seed in the West. Like, yeah. That's what they're going to do. And then you get into serious talk about who are the real, who are the real contenders and what are the real expectations. And Utah's always there, but you almost kind of start to 
forget about Utah um, in some ways. And I wonder if it's a matter of them not having as as interesting players as other teams. You know, they don't have LeBron, they don't have a Steph, they don't have you know a player who's who's a who's a headliner. They obviously have very talented players. They have Donovan Mitchell, who's out of this world and incredibly talented. But you don't have you know the eye-catching headliners on the team that a lot of other teams have. And is there, I mean, they're just kind of a quandary for me. I don't really know what to make of Utah. And yeah, just like the, just like the two of you, I have them in my top four teams coming out of the West. And it's almost this weird thing where it's hard for me to make an argument for them. And it's hard for me to make an argument against them because on paper, they seem pretty solid and they seem pretty consistent and then as chase said you know they habitually underperform in the playoffs compared to what they show to be their capabilities in the regular season they're a weird team i don't i don't know what to say about utah they're (laughs) they're one of the weirdest teams in the in the league for me despite how consistent they are in some ways but also just so consistently limited um, in other ways, in terms of their playoff success, it's very strange. I don't know. I don't have a good answer to that, Josh, and I'm sorry. But well, let's, <laughs> well, well, well let, let, let's do this, okay? All right, let's. Uh, so, so let's talk. Let's 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 just discuss Donovan Mitchell because I think Donovan Mitchell's player I like. I have a I have a a real soft spot in my heart for Donovan Mitchell, even though he's a Louisville player. But I've I've real soft spot for him. Okay, um, I think he's really good. I think he's tough. Okay. But let's just do this, okay? Donovan Mitchell, you know, Chase brought up a thing where it's like, you know, having the best player on the floor uh, is 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 of almost utmost importance. I mean, that that's that's different to Milwaukee and Phoenix last year, right? I mean, that's essentially what it is. John is the best player, you know, he dominates. It's game over. Of the four teams that we've mentioned, or five, well, five teams, I'll, I'll include Golden State in this, of the five teams we mentioned, is there ever a point where Donovan Mitchell is the best player on the floor? I mean, anybody can answer. I cannot make a case for anything other than, honestly, Phoenix. And I think Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker are pretty comparable-ish. Uh, but no, I mean, aside from Phoenix, not even close. Yeah, and and, and I, I think that's kind of what makes Utah, to Al's point, interesting is that Utah's this Utah's a contender without, in my opinion, a top fifteen player. And if Donovan might be right there, he might be in the fourteen fifteen range. I don't have a ranking in my head, but like someone that you know is a top fifteen. I mean, most of the time we ask for a top ten player, right? I mean, I, I mean, in the finals. You could make the case that that you know Booker and Chris Paul were both top fifteen, and that Giannis was number one. So, like most time, we want you know something like that, and Utah doesn't have it. Um, Utah has a really interesting style, you know, and and I think and I think that's one of the reasons why they win so many games uh, in the in the season. But when you get to the finals and you have to roll the ball out. And you have to say, well, Donovan, 
go win me this game. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know, I don't know if he's that type of player. You know, there, there's a thing about being a, a, you know, being a, uh, being a number two player or a wingman and cons- and thinking that you're, you know, the the superstar. Um, and we've seen that before. And I wonder if that's where Donovan is at. And I wonder if if how far Utah can go until they fix that. Um, but, you know, we're talking about Donovan. I mean, you know, we also got – there was a nice big article on The Ringer today about Rudy Gobert. Case, you Rudy Gobert fan, what do you think of him? Uh, there are a lot of players where <laughs> this is not intended as a humble brag, but uh, I feel like I am out on for a while, and then all of a sudden, popular consensus catches up to me, and then I'm like, okay, now you're hating him too much. Uh, Rudy Gobert is really good. He's I, I like him. He's a guy that I would. I mean, my goodness, some of the years where the Celtics were just dying to have just anyone who resembles uh, someone who can play the center position, he he would have just perfectly fit into some of those teams. Uh, he, he's not a number one, as you said. He's not close to it. He's not someone who is going to lead a team to anything incredible, but he's someone who could be the second or third best player on a very, very good team. I don't think he's the liability that some people have made him out to be. Uh, He's one-dimensional on both ends of the court, pretty much, and that's kind of the issue that they ran into where the Clippers were like, okay, LOL, we just won't play a center. We're going to have Marcus Morris play center and shoot threes from the corner the whole game. Like The issue there, and I don't know, I think Quinn Snyder is a great coach, so I don't know if this is coaching or if this is Gobert, but... You just have to have a counter to that. Uh, Gobert should be getting in that scenario like 18 rebounds and 15, 20 points. If they're not going to put anyone on the floor who's bigger than like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, however tall Marcus Morris is, he should be able to punish them. But he's still a good defender. I think, weirdly enough, some of their issue was that they didn't have perimeter defense. And he was put in this position of, okay, I'm not able to just sit in the paint because Marcus Morris is over here in the corner. So now I'm in between playing uh, deny defense on him and help defense otherwise. And one of the guards would get blown by and he has to make the decision. Okay, I'm going to go protect the rim. But now I'm letting Terrence Mann shoot 500% from three or I'm letting Marcus Morris take practice jump shots. Uh, that That's not entirely on him. I think some people have kind of started to act like he is a detriment to the team. That's ridiculous to me. So, I mean, like we were saying, he's not a top 15 player. He's probably not top 20, but I could justify him being third team all NBA. I can justify him being first team all defense, um, probably top 30. And that, I mean, that's top, one of the 30 best basketball players in the world is good in my book. Well, yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree. Uh, the only thing I disagree with you is when you said that wasn't a humble brag. That was one hundred percent a humble brag. Uh, but, but the, but what, where I don't disagree is that, uh, is that Rudy Gobert is a is a fantastic player. He really is. Okay. The problem with Rudy Gobert is I wonder if he's more of a fantastic player in nineteen ninety five than he is in two thousand twenty one. And when you have guys like Giannis and Anthony Davis, 
and even to an extent, Joel Embiid, who who are not scared to step out and guard uh, and guard uh, on the perimeter um, and and step in and cover for people. Um, it makes Rudy look a little less than what he really is um, because he is. You are able to exploit him a little more than I think some of the more uh, athletic play uh, athletic big guys in the league um like Giannis and Anthony Davis and, and Joe Embiid which is why I think he's kind of considered as a knock below all those guys um but yeah I don't know Utah's they're just they're they're a strange team all the way around and, I, and you know and, and they they had they it's weird they were number one because I thought I feel like they kind of had players like I feel like uh, Bogdanovic took a step back last year you know and I feel like it took Mike Conley a little while to get to where he needed to be last year, and yet still they were number one. So they're doing something right. I think. I think you're. I think Quinn Snyder's a really good coach, but I also think it's one of those situations where if you get into a seven game series with a, with a guy, it doesn't take a very good coach at all to be able to look and go, I don't know, man. If we just stick a guy in the corner and force <laughs> force Rudy Gobert to you know do things he he doesn't want to do, um, you know, while we're burning the while we're burning donovan or uh bogdanovich out on on the perimeter i mean that's a that, that's a recipe for disaster um and anybody's going to figure that out over a seven game series which is why i'm really they're they're they're, they're my low tier of these four uh, in a lot of ways all right uh one move on because uh, i know. just want to make sure we're not having any mike Conley slander here he was phenomenal to start last year and earned his first rightful all-star bid I would. I. I am not slandering Mike Conley. I love Mike Conley. I really do. I'm not joking. Um, I'm just saying it's. It seemed like it took him a while to to get going last year. But but whatever. But no, no he was all star last year. Um, in fact, uh, you know, I mean, and it's weird that that was his first all star because Conley's been a you know a fantastic point guard his entire career. No, no Mike Conley slander. Not none whatsoever. Okay. No, no. I I I, I ain't about that life. Um. Okay, let's uh let's look at the Nuggets, man. I mean, the the Denver Nuggets, um, Jokic coming off of MVP season. Um, I think <laughs> it, it's one of those things. I don't know about you guys, but it seems like after every MVP, we just like pick apart the MVP. Like we go, I, I mean, we, we just kind of do that. We're like, well, Giannis can't shoot threes, you know, and and like with Jokic, it's almost like, you know, we, we're asking ourselves questions now that you know, Giannis, I think definitively proved he was the best player in the world last year. Uh, and of course we, we might, we might have more discussion on that later, but, but I think he, at least he made a case for it. Um, whereas Jokic, I think earned MVP. He just wasn't really put in the position to be able to prove that uh, his team kind of fell apart around him. So Jokic, let's say Jokic has very similar, has a very similar year as he had, did last year, which, you know, <laughs> Which is a year that just doesn't seem to happen. Twenty-seven, ten, and eight, guys. So, like, let's say he has that year again. Okay, um, you know, what does what do the Nuggets need to look like? What do they need to do to capitalize on what Jokic brings to the table? Um, Al, we'll start with you. Um. Yeah. I mean, if he if he does have another year like he did last year, um, I think. I mean, I'm going to invest a lot in just one other player here, but I really think um, a big part of getting to the next level is going to be how healthy and effective Jamal 
Curry is. Um, I mean, I think I think that's a really big key. We've seen Jokic be capable of shouldering um, the vast majority of the work on that team. <laughs> uh, we just have if if he can function at the same level of performance um, without the constant pressure and attention of not having a top tier other option on the floor, um, then I think his game's going to open up even more. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think he's going to do even more impressive things because he'll have one of those um, upper tier guys to play off of again. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there's some things they could tweak here and there. Um, but I mean, honestly, I really, I'm a firm believer that, um, the playoffs last year go very, very differently if Jamal is healthy. Um, I think, I think the landscape of the playoffs in the West change entirely if Jamal is healthy with, um, the level that Jokic was playing at. Um, and so again, if we can see him do at least a similar thing this year, and if Jamal can deliver on his end, um, I think that I think that's a really scary team. Even if you try to box it into just those two players, which I think they have, you know, a, a very respectable squad of role players around them as well. Um, but even if you just box it into those two players, I think that's a very very scary team. Um, that's um, that's coming up this year. Okay. Um... Chase, um, you know, talk. One of the guys that is most talked about for taking a leap this year, um, and the guy that you know is that everybody's like, and it, it always worries me when we, when we do this because I think we jinx people when we do this. But the guys talk about making a leap, and you know, and like, you know, if this guy gets it going, we'll be good uh, until Jamal Murray get, comes back. Is Michael Porter Jr. Um, talk me into Michael Porter Jr. hype, Chase. Yeah, I mean, thank you actually for teeing that up so perfectly. I agree with just about everything Al said, uh, so I didn't want to just echo his words. So I was going to go in the Michael Porter direction anyway. Uh, it, for him, it's consistency. He's flashed absolute stardom. Uh, it was, I'm trying to remember... I think it was one of the Portland games in the playoffs. He had a playoff game last year where he hit five or six threes in the first quarter. And I believe he finished the game with like 20 points. Like that's what on earth you had. He had like, I want to say it was six threes. He had 15 or 18 points just on threes in the first quarter and hit maybe one shot the rest of the game. Like, especially in the absence of Jamal Murray, you can't have that. Uh, so while I, I'm more or less going to rule the Nuggets out of contention if Murray can't get back to pretty close to where he was, the only path I can see for that is if Michael Porter Jr. can kind of step up and be close to that level. Um, I love Aaron Gordon as a fourth player. I think he's an awesome linchpin for them. But that's all he is. He's a linchpin that is just going to solidify that floor. He's going to make them just a little bit better every game. But Michael Porter Jr. is the one that can splash for 35 points if you need him to. 
Um, so uh, we know he's capable of it. He's had an extensive and frankly scary injury history. I don't know how much that could have played into his inconsistency this past year, but he's just, he's really tall. He's really long, reasonably athletic, got a decent handle. He strokes the ball unbelievably, like just excellent shot. I don't know. He simultaneously feels like someone who is too aggressive and not aggressive enough. I think he needs to find a weird balance there. Of I, I think he's a very confident player, but he was too willing to just fade into the background at times. And again, I do think um, it even came out after some of those games. Like he is dealing with a nagging injury. He's toughing it out. He's playing. Um, so whether it's just him being healthy or him actually needing consistency, all of those tools are there. And it sounds and seemed to me like he even stepped it up to at least be league average on defense. So he's not one of those players that's just empty stats on the offensive side of the floor. Uh, he's got it. Uh, I would be interested in seeing him take that leap. And then also, especially really, if Murray comes back healthy, how he can function in that role of really being the clear third option. Yeah, I think uh, the, the the weird thing to me about Michael Ford Jr. that always shocks me, um, particularly in this day and age, is that he shoots, I just looked up, he, he shot six threes a game last year and made 44% of them. Like, that's insane. Like, I mean, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking, you know, I mean, that that's, that's elite numbers right there. Uh, if he maintains that over a season and Murray's healthy, um, and then in the, every time I talk about this guy, I always feel like, Case, I know you've seen it. Alf, you haven't seen it, you need to look it up. But, like, the Ringer did this skit of players, uh, like an AA group of, like, players, uh, people talking about players they can't give up on. And every time I talk about this guy in particular, I always feel like I need to go to that group. I love Will Barton to death. Um, I think Will Barton is an extremely interesting player. Um, the first time we ever really started talking about Jokic and what he brings to the table, and they started showing highlights, it was highlights of Jokic finding Will Barton in these cutting situations. If Will Barton's healthy and Michael Porter Jr. takes a leap and Jamal Murray's healthy and Jokic is Jokic, that's a team that's as scary as anybody in the West, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, you, you have questions on defense. Obviously, but case to your point, I think, you know, if Michael Porter Jr. steps up and Aaron Gordon is what he is defensively, they're not as bad as you would think they would be, because I think, you know, I mean, Murray's not great, but he's he's not a sieve, you know, and Barton's not a sieve. And also, Jokic isn't as bad on defense as people make him out to be. He's just not fast. But I mean, he's he's typically in the right places where he needs to be. So you've got a team there, I think, that could be really scary. But man, there's just so many question marks, you know, and, and once, once you have these injuries, you start relying on, you know, <laughs> Austin Rivers and Monte Morris and people like that. And that's when, you know, to Michael Green, that's when things start getting really kind of scary. Um, so to me, you know, that's where, that's where the team, uh, that, that's what's going to make or break the team. Um, because it does seem like they're, they're all about, that's a team that's all about, you know, can they stay healthy? And if they stay healthy, I mean, I think you're looking at something as high as a, I mean, they could, they could be the one seed in the West if they're healthy. Um, but if they're not, I don't know. I don't know how far, how far they go. Um, okay. Uh, we, we've arrived. We, we, we've arrived at the, 
at the at the main event. All right, guys. Uh, I'm, I'm just gonna give. I, I tell you what. We'll go Al. We'll go Chase. Talk me out of the Lakers not winning the championship this year. Go. I'll start. Please start. Yes. Oh boy, I feel honored. Um. Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I think the biggest question that LA has right now, um, is that how is how is their chemistry and their dynamics on the court? How is that going to change with Russ? I think that is the question on on everyone's mind right now, or at least the first question on everyone's mind right now is how is Russ going to fit into the system around um, LeBron, but also primarily, in my opinion, um, around AD. Um, there's just a lot of, I don't know. I just don't know how that, how that is going to go. Russ strikes me as a odd pick to fit into that s- s- situation. Um, um, if anything, I mean, they got a player from from the Wizards and Russ, I would almost say um, that uh, Beal would have almost been a better fit um, in LA's system, just as far as as how the egos would work, as far as how how the dynamics within the team and within the offense would work. Um, Russ. And again, Russ is a is a terrific player. He averages tripled doubles as as if it's his side job. I mean, he he has a big impact on the court. I just I have trouble visualizing how that offense is going to play out. Is my main thing with LA. Um, you have unlimited potential with AD. You have you know the consistent solid greatness that is LeBron James, you know, possibly not as consistent as, as he's been in years past, but he is still LeBron James. Um, I don't know how Russ will fit into the situation. I don't think it'll be disastrous. I don't think, I don't put a lot of stock in how preseason games go. Um, kind of the buzz around the Lakers right now is Russ was kind of trash in preseason. Um, but again, I don't put a lot of stock in preseason, but I do think it's relevant just as far as it'll be interesting to see how he fits into the system. But, um, that's, that's the main question on my mind. Uh, I'll let, uh, Chase kind of pick it up from there. Yeah. Chase, talk me out of the Lakers. But, I mean, the Lakers are this weird team where I do not feel remotely comfortable saying the Lakers are making the finals. But then I feel hella goofy for saying the Lakers are not making the finals. Uh, I mean, I could see it unfold either way. Uh, as Al alluded to, the the chemistry and dynamic, um, well, that's probably overplayed and underplayed at different times. It's going to be interesting. I can't remember the last time I've watched a team return three players and I don't know how much Taylor Norton Tucker is going to be playing. Um, I mean, probably a decent bit, if I had to guess. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> they literally returned three players. They're bringing in an entirely new roster. Uh, I look at their roster, and it is deep, but it's thin up top after LeBron 
a, a thin in the middle. It's not thin up top. Uh, I mean, who the hell is their fourth best player? I, I just looking at this, it's a bunch of guys that, yeah, you can stick on a court and they're not going to kill you, but I'm not thrilled. Like, I mean, is Carmelo Anthony going to be your savior? Is Trevor Ariza going to be awesome? Where is Kent Bazemore in life? Um, I'm a huge Malik Monk fan, but he has not had an awesome career. He had his best year yet. Um, and pickups like Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn, I think, were awesome for as cheap as you got them and as desperate as the Lakers were for depth pieces. But I don't want Malik Monk to have the ball in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. And I mean, obviously, most of that is going to be Westbrook, AD, and LeBron if they're all healthy. So you're going to be able to avoid that. But then I I do wonder if you're going to run into a little bit of what the Warriors ran into last year of uh, what do we do if it's not Steph? Uh, we have to have five guys on the court, and two, three, four of them are not going to be all that incredible. Uh I think they're going to walk into the playoffs. I think that's going to be easy. I don't know what seed they're going to get. I would be surprised if it's the one seed. Um, I don't think LeBron wants to deal with not having home court again. I don't think he wants to go into the play-in. I don't think they're going to be in the play-in, but I could see them being around four or five. Uh, It's just weird. I I actually think this will be a a healthy experience for me to hear you talk me into the Lakers because – I, I can see good things from the team, but I just have so many questions. And then I'm sure you and I have talked about Westbrook to death, where um, I don't know where the general consensus is on him. He was another one of those Rudy Gobert players where, I mean, hate is a strong word, but I was just so out on Westbrook for years. And then all of a sudden he won the MVP and people are like, oh, the, that MVP, it shouldn't count. Like, he had this triple-double when they barely made the playoffs and got destroyed in the first round. He's not as good as people say, blah, blah, blah. At that point, he got underrated, um, and I didn't understand people being like, oh, yeah, good trade. Trade Russell Westbrook for John Wall. Uh, Westbrook is a, a weird case there, uh, but I wonder if we're kind of bringing it back to if he's your third-best player in the role that he's probably going to be asked to play, I, I don't know how happy I am with that, especially when I look at who their fourth best players are. Uh, please also tell me who their fourth best player is, because that's a genuine question. I do not. Well, know. okay. Well, so so here's here, here's here, here's what's interesting. Um, you guys weren't as mean as I thought you'd be. Um, I'm actually going to be a little meaner right off the bat. The reason we have Russell Westbrook is because. LeBron went to Rob Palenka and said, um, I do not want to carry this team for 80 games. And Rob Palenka looked around and saw that there were genuine moments on that Wizards team. I love Bradley Bill, but there's genuine moments on that team where they rolled the ball out and said, Russ, win this quarter for us or whatever. And that's what Russ brings to the table. He goes out and he does everything for eight, nine minutes, whether you want him to or not. Um, LeBron is not the LeBron he was even two years ago, in my opinion. Okay. Um, and I, I, and I get a little upset because I think he honestly hurts his own teams by always wanting to have the secondary, secondary ball handler. Um, I mean, this goes all the way back to the Miami heat situation with Dwayne Wade goes to Cleveland with Kyrie Irving, you know, and now this year 
with uh, Russ when, in my opinion, the better fit was the Buddy Hill thing, even though I love Russell Westbrook. That's what, Case, I assume you're alluding to. We've had many discussions about my love for Russell Westbrook, okay? That being said, you ask who the fourth best player on the Lakers is. Let me ask this question. Who was the third best player on the bubble team? Who, who was it? Who was That's it? a great question. It was probably Contavious Caldwell Pope, who, yeah, exactly. by the way, they sent out to get Russell Westbrook. I would take KCP as their fourth best player. It, now just, there's a difference but, between but, third and fourth, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, you, you might, I mean, you might take KCP as the fourth best player. I mean, and yeah, that's that's fair, okay, but that's not a world beater. And I'm not saying that's KCP is a good defender. He's a streaky shooter. Um, he's objectively not better than Kendrick Nunn right now. He just isn't. I mean, that's a thing. So what I'm saying is like that that complaint. You know, that's a complaint you always have about LeBron teams, right? Like, who's the fourth? I mean, like, Matthew Dellavedova is the fourth best player on that Cleveland team that wins a title. I mean, you know, like, who, who's the fourth best player in this team? Well, it's the same as always. It's, you know, whoever LeBron passes the ball to when they're wide open. And that's the thing. This team is built for situations where, well, we know we've got to, we've got to keep an eye on Russ. We've got to double Anthony Davis, and we have to double LeBron. So you take those other two spots and you put Carmelo Anthony, who quietly hit 41% from three last year, and Malik Monk, who quietly hit 40% from three last year in those corners, and you're giving them those practice shots, you know, all day long. Um, because when it comes right down to it, you know, most teams are going to let Malik Monk and 40-year-old and Carmelo Anthony beat them, you know, rather than LeBron or Anthony Davis. And that's what that's how I talk myself into this team because it does look like it, it's one of the first LeBron teams I've ever seen that's built logically, other than Russell Westbrook, because there is like this logic to okay we need another banger for to to so Davis isn't taking so many hits. Well, not only gonna get one banger, we're gonna get two. We're gonna get Dwight and DeAndre Jordan. Okay, so I mean DeAndre's washed. Dwight's still pretty good, but DeAndre's washed. I get it, but he's six fouls is what he is, and he can still get up and block some shots. And then you're also going to say to yourselves, okay, now that we've got now that we've got that, we couldn't hit a three last year to save our lives. So we're going to grab Kent Bazemore. We're going to grab uh, Malik Monk. We're going to grab Carmelo Anthony. We're going to grab Kendrick Nunn, all 38 to 42% three-point shooters. Give them the most wide-open shots they've ever had in their life. I mean, that's how you talk yourself into the Lakers. But – the other thing you have to do with the Lakers is you have to say this as well. This is LeBron's best chance to get his sixth ring. Because you're looking at in the West, you're looking at teams that are either A, to Al's point, how long can Chris Paul go, B, injured with Golden State and Denver, or C, just not there with Utah. And so, I mean, this is LeBron. If if you're if you're LeBron and you want to talk yourself into winning, this is your best chance of getting that sixth ring. And then that's and I think LeBron cares about his legacy almost maybe a little too much. Okay, uh, a little almost a little too much at this point because he wants to have if if he gets that sixth ring, then all of a sudden, you know, we have to go on first take and we have to go. Well, Jordan never lost in the finals. But Jordan also didn't play 21 years, you know, and then that's when it becomes a conversation. I think LeBron knows that. And so I think, you know, this is going to be a this is going to be an interesting LeBron year where I almost wonder, you know, how, 
you know, it, it you you always know what you're going to get with LeBron. You know, you're going to get 25, 7, and 7. That That's your bare minimum. But it's almost to the point where how many more, you know, put the team on my back moments are you going to have? And then also, how many more put your team on the back moments does LeBron need to have if you have Anthony Davis? Um, it, you know, is Davis going to step into that situation? You know, two years ago, it was Davis or Giannis. It's not that way anymore. There's not a single person that I know that would take Anthony Davis over Giannis. Um, and so, you know, does Davis, does that offend Davis? Is Davis going to, you know, try and try and come for that title? You know, that used to be, a, it used to be a thing where like those were the two unit. Well, and Joel Embiid, uh, who invites a whole nerdle level of questions, but, but between those two players, that used to be a, you know, that used to be our Dr. Jack Ramsey comparison. Um, it really isn't anymore. So is Davis going to step up? Is he going to put the team on his back? If all those things break well, this is a scary Laker team. But I got to be honest, tomorrow if I see Russell Westbrook throw up 25 shots, I'm going to be very upset. And there's that there's that possibility as well. So I'm hesitantly, hesitantly picking, um, you know, the Lakers to come out of the West. I think they have the best shot because if nothing else, I think they have the two best players uh, in the West and, and LeBron and Davis, when they're healthy and when they're together, they're unstoppable. They do things I haven't seen any other team, any two teammates do. Um, They're built for each other. Um, But if they're not healthy or if Russ ruins the chemistry, then yeah, this team's going to fall apart pretty quickly. Um, So they're, they're my team to come out of the West and with that in mind, uh, Al, who's your who's your pick to come out of the West? Who's my pick to come out of the West? Oh man, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Nugs if Jamal is healthy. Okay. Chase, who's your pick to come out of the West? This is tough. I'm still not really convicted in my answer. Uh, But honestly, some of the points that you made for the Lakers felt like regular season points to me. Like you said, Russell Westbrook is a walking playoff berth. Um, We've said the same thing about LeBron for forever. So if you have two walking playoff berths on the same team, like they've got a safe floor when they get to the playoffs. I don't know. I mean, uh, also, like you said, with Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan, Malik Monk, all of those are players that I think are going to play huge roles in the regular season. But they scare me if I mean, KCP hit massive shots in that finals run and Anthony Davis was phenomenal. I know for certain that they're capable of making the finals, but it feels like a lot has to break. Right. Uh, I'm going to talk myself into Devin Booker setting himself on fire and making the finals again. So I'm going to go Phoenix. Okay, I mean, I think I think those are those are three good picks. You know, Phoenix, L.A., Denver. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I could talk myself in any of those three seriously. Uh, so I think those are good picks. Okay, last thing we're gonna do before we we close out Western Conference, just real quick. You know, um, MVP of the Western Conference. Chase, I'll have you go first. So um, similarly to how we defined our best teams in the West, are we saying? 
more or less like a playoff or a, an MVP race, like who is the best player, who's the most important player, or what are we doing exactly with this? I mean, you know, I mean, just who, who, who do you think is going to be the best player in the West this year? Okay, if we're going best, um, I think I, I'm going to say Luca. It it's kind of weird with the Jason Kidd scenario. Um, he he could kind of play into that, uh, but there are only a couple of names that like really really come to mind. I think a lot, some other players are going to eat into each other a little bit too much for some of these other teams. So yeah, I'm going to say Luca. He's already. I, I think he's one of the biggest MVP favorites right now, which again lends itself to them being like fourth in Vegas win totals uh, over unders. And it, he he's been one of the 10 best players of the NBA for a couple of years now, and he's only been in the NBA for a few. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know if he even has to take a step up. We already know he's that good. Uh, I'm going to go with him. Fair point. Al, what do you think? Um, Uka is really hard to argue against. If there's, if there's one player who I think um, – is going to outperform him uh, as far as what their team needs. Um, I think it'd probably be Jokic. Um, and um, and I think that's my choice for MVP is, is Jokic out of the West. Um, just because, again, I mean, either scenario that happens with the – Nuggets. If Jamal comes back and is very healthy, that opens up Jokic's game even more. If Jamal is not able to come back or is not able to come back in the same capacity that he was at in years past, then we already have proof that Jokic is able to show an MVP season already. So I'm going to go with Jokic for me. Yeah, I think I think Jokic and Luka, those are those are pretty safe picks. Um, I don't, I, 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 um, I lean, I lean towards Jokic. I think uh, the thing about Jokic, well, and Doncic too, honestly, is I think they, I think they both have another gear. Um, you know, I think I think they're both really scratching the surface of what they can do. Um, I just, man, I just, it, it's, I just love Jokic's game so much. I love the slow turnaround that always fools people because everyone is so much faster than him. You know, I just love the the pass. I love, I love his ability to get the rebounds when he can't jump. I just love the fact that he, he got, he had like six dunks all of last year and he's like seven foot one. I just, I love all that stuff about him. So for me, Jokic is my guy. I think, I think Jokic, Jokic is the MVP. Um, okay. Um, I almost forgot about this uh, dark horse team coming out of the West. Uh, we're, we're, we're running out of time, but real, real quick, uh, Al, who's your dark horse team coming out of the West? Um, yeah. So um, for uh, my if dark horse Phoenix, team, I'm going to be so upset. I'm going to go with this really obscure team called the Phoenix Suns. Now <laughs> um, <laughs> you might not have heard of them. Um, no, for uh, uh, my dark horse this is a team I think it has a lot of potential. I wasn't over the moon with the moves they did in the offseason, but um, I still think uh, they have a lot of energy. They have a lot of talent on their roster, and they're really exciting to watch. Um, if they bring things together, I think they can do a lot of damage in the regular season. Um, I've got the Grizzlies. 
I think I think that's yeah. The Grizzlies are good, good young team. Uh, you know, our, our boy, our boy Nick Wild loves him some John Morant. You know, and uh, and I, I, I agree, John. Man, I love John Morant. I really do. Uh, there's there's few players I like watching more than him. Uh, Chase, who you got? Uh, that's a good pick. I, I do have the Grizzlies making the playoffs, so they're they're kind of in my fringe. I think I'm. I feel kind of off the wall with this one. Um, it's a team that I was too confident in at least two years ago, and maybe too confident in last year. Um, but this, I, I think it's a dark horse because they're getting legitimately slept on. It, it, for me, it's the Clippers. Uh, they played okay against the Phoenix Suns, who made the finals last year without Kawhi on the uh, playing with that injury. Uh, they've got some decent depth. Uh, I think, I, and it's just this weird thing of when I went into look at all the teams in the West, part of me thought that I was going to have the Clippers like solidly in the play-in at risk of missing the playoffs. And, I mean, I've got them right there with Golden State in like that 6-7 line where I think they could just make the playoffs without having to make the play-in. Um, I'm not anticipating Kawhi Leonard being back, but like if we're talking Dark Horse, if they make the playoffs and he's like, all right, um, I don't care what the team doctors say, but my personal doctors say I'm ready and I feel good. Um, if he comes in, that's just going to be another dimension, but they kind of got stuff going last year. Um, they, I don't know if they're getting much credit for beating Dallas two years in a row, but at the same time, I think that's a very good team. And that kind of one makes me wonder what the ceiling for Dallas is of they, they ran into a good Clippers team that had Kawhi for both of their series uh, played a great one there. They were able to pull that one out. Uh, and then they they beat Utah, and we've talked about how Utah has been, yeah. But it, it was kind of convincing. Like, they weren't even able to go to seven games. Utah had a little bit of injuries, but even without Kawhi for a lot of those games, the Clippers just got something rolling. I, I think they have enough depth to make the playoffs, and who knows? I mean, they're, they're fun. Paul George has shown that he is – at his best, like a top five player in the NBA without Kawhi there, maybe he picks that mantle back up. Yeah. I, um, I, I like those picks. I, I, I'm going to be straight up honest with you. Th- this is what's hilarious. When I was thinking about my pick today, my dark horse pick, I was like, man, Al and Chase are just going to blast me for this. And then both y'all have golden state really high. And like, and I l- I thought I was being weird by calling them a dark horse because half that team's not going to be there for opening night. I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, this is a team that didn't even know it was going to have Andrew Wiggins till two weeks ago. And Andrew, it's, they need Andrew Wiggins. I mean, typically a team that needs Andrew Wiggins is not a good team, you know, and that, and they're my, that's my, that's my dark horse pick because, you know, I, 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 I there's so many things, there's so many ways I can talk myself out of golden state. You know, they don't have a center, uh, other than James Wiseman and Kevin Looney, and both those guys have serious flaws. You know, Draymond Green, how much longer, you know, is, is his, is, is he going to do, I mean, Draymond Green's regress. He, I know he went back on defense, but he's, he has not been the three-point shooter he was during their, um, during their run. You know, it's like, how you know, how much longer can Steph carry him? 
you know, and these are all the thoughts I have, but then I talk myself into, you know, this idea of like, well, if Clay comes back at 80%, you know, if James Wiseman makes a step, they've got two, Moses Moody looked pretty good in preseason, you know, uh, you know, Jonathan Kaminga could be something. I mean, he was, you know, he, he was the number one ranked small forward, you know, two years ago. Uh, so I'm, I'm just thinking like, you know, they've got all this stuff, you know, what if they take Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody and, you know, something else and trade for a good player down the line, you know, does that put them up? I mean, the Warriors have a lot of questions. So that's why they're my dark horse. And I, th- I literally thought coming into this, you guys were going to hammer me for that. And then you both got them like it, you know, well, I mean, Al's got them, you know, basically as title contenders and you've got them, you know, in the fifth seed. So, you know, I mean, that that's, to, to me, that's that's my dark horse. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I can I can trust them much more than that. But for me, it's always the case of I, I don't count out Steph Curry, man. Steph Curry's one of the most fascinating basketball players of all time. Um, okay, well, guys, this is this has been a good hour and forty five minutes of basketball talk. Uh, so. Go and tell you right now, um, you know, Chase, uh, go on and plug your podcast. That's where part two of this is going to be, the Eastern Conference. Yeah, come check me out on uh, Spotlight Impressions. Uh, I've got a Twitter page at uh, Pod Spotlight. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and a few other places. I like to, it's it so far just been a sports podcast, but I'm happy to branch out at any other time. Uh, definitely listen to part two of this. Come find me. Give me some feedback. I'd love to hear you all. Uh, but that's us pod spot uh spotlight impressions pod spotlight on twitter nice nice well guys this has been a lot of fun uh, al chase thank you so much uh for your expertise and uh uh for awesome basketball talk uh you know and uh thank you guys for joining us for kind of a weird version of fandom talk uh you know as always uh, come check us out come check out the fandom correspondence um you know look at find us on twitter find us on patreon find us on facebook find us on instagram let us know what you think of things if you want to hear more sports stuff uh, let us know uh between the three of us we we know uh, something about most sports uh you know um you know and so we we'd, we'd be happy to branch out into that um and uh yeah go watch some basketball we'll see you next time